0: His name was Pete, and he existed to get mutilated in the first three minutes of a forgotten 80s horror movie until... Every one of these tapes has a world. They got villains, heroes, and people like us. Dead meat. So I kill the monster. I get out of this world and into another. You kill that one, bam, we jump to a new horror movie. Okay, tell me what to do. Dead Meat Pete, a new audio drama premiering October 2021. Visit deadmeatpete.com to learn more. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are The Other Stories.
1: <laughs> if you've got a podcast, or a small business, or even an evil cluster of mutant app developers, and did you know you could advertise it here on The Other Stories? We've got a number of packages available. So if you're looking to get your business or project in the ears of over 10,000 listeners for a single episode, or if you prefer to sponsor an entire theme, 50,000 listeners, then get in touch via our website at theotherstories.net forward slash contact. Today's episode is Teeth, written by Michael Teasdale and narrated by James Barnett, aka Jimmy Horrors.
0: flashlights beam danced across the little girl's face, illuminating it only partly as her laughter filled the darkness of the room. Tell me the story again, daddy. Only this time, make it the truth. It was an odd request, delivered as a challenge, unexpected from one so young. The story of his mission had become a bedtime favourite since his return. True, there had been some moments where the innocence in her eyes had wavered, scrutinizing the tale, measuring his telling. A flicker of doubt here and there, but nothing like this. The lie, the deliberate omission, had never been called out so brazenly until now. There was something almost dismissive about her tone. I know all about the takeoff and landing, she sighed. So you can skip that. It's the secret I want to hear about, The really good secret. He blinked in the darkness, as the wavering torch beam caught him dead on, transporting him mentally back to the splashdown. He recalled crawling out from the landing pod into the hot white heat of the Gulf of Mexico, shielding his vision from the almost forgotten luminosity of natural daylight bouncing off the ocean. he had wanted to talk about the incident from the moment the first waiting Navy SEAL hoisted him up and pumped his hand with enthusiastic vigour. His eyes had silently screamed for permission to discuss it on every chat show and in every newspaper interview he had been forced to partake in, in the weeks that followed. Instead, inane questions about how he went to the toilet in space were the order of the day. Not the silent, cold terror of what had happened when the radio went dark. The truth about Jennings's fate. "'Yes,' said his daughter. "'What did happen to Jennings?' And she rotated the dial on her flashlight, cycling the beam from white past green to scarlet red, illuminating the mobile of a replica spacecraft that hung from the ceiling. Had he spoken the name aloud? He couldn't be sure. Just as he couldn't explain why his lips now parted and terrible, awful things began spilling out into the forgiving darkness of his child's bedroom. I found him in the crater. Face down in the dust, he began recalling his ascent from the lander, unwillingly becoming the second man of the expedition to set foot on the surface. The buggy was undamaged, no sign of an accident. His suit was fully functional. It was like he'd just given up and gone to sleep. In the shadow by his daughter's pillow, he heard an unpleasant sound. Then her voice broke free from it, wavering somewhere between fear and barely suppressed excitement. Without being able to see her face clearly, he couldn't tell. Something about it bothered him all the same. But then, then you saw another him, yes? The voice continued. Still eager. Still trembling. The tiny hands twisted the dial of the flashlight, and the beam now turned pale blue. He thought of the Earth, hanging in the inky skyline like a distant familiar relative on the day of the lunar landing. He closed his eyes and once again, the words tumbled forth, like desperate thrashing marine life, reeled in by an all-powerful net. It was him, but it couldn't have been him. The image reared up in his mind. Jennings, face down in the crater and there, standing atop it, looming over them like a pale white ghost. Who then? He swallowed in the darkness, opening his mind and focusing on the pale blue circle of the light that wavered on the ceiling. "'Another... another Jennings... another astronaut, you mean?' He shook his head, aware of the pointlessness of the gesture, the flashlight's beam barely illuminating them as it danced and played overhead. He tried to picture the doppelganger as it had been in that moment, slowly descending from the rocky outcrop, moving silently and effortlessly downward to the belly of the crater, while the stationary form of Jennings lay face down at his feet he was coming to get you the double yes I no no I only thought as it had then his mind wheeled back to his training they had been warned to act without prejudice briefed that hostile countries with sinister aims wanted the lunar territory that spies were a legitimate possibility they were told to trust no one not even their own crewmates History had shown that anyone could be turned with the right offer. Patriotism was a dead art. He remembered screaming, yelling futile warnings into his radio, urging the doppelganger to stop. In the panic of the moment, he had forgotten entirely that the dead radio was what had driven him out of the lander to search for Jennings in the first place. The double had not stopped, it had just kept coming. Now he could see it raising its arms reaching out its hands to attack. At least that was how his rattled mind, loaded with military paranoia, sleepless nights, had interpreted the gestures. On another day, in another situation, they might have been, A warning? There had been no time to think. He had discharged his weapon as instructed, and the doppelganger had fallen to its knees, and then collapsed face first into the lunar rock. Twitching only briefly before falling still, He shook his head, breaking from the vision and glanced down at the bed where his daughter lay. The mania of her fiddling with the flashlight had intensified as the story had progressed, twisting the cap and cycling rapidly through the colors so that her fingers danced a grim rainbow in the dark. Two dead astronauts, face down in the crater. It must have been hard to tell one from the other. She laughed. (laughs) And then the unpleasant sound came again like something shifting at the back of her throat. In the faint recesses of his mind, a distant, unspoken fear began calling out to him. A faraway alarm ringing in an unknown building. He rubbed at his temples, the rapid-fire exchange of the flashlight's coloured beams irritating his eyes. His head began to pulse, exactly as it had then. He saw his boots coming down in the lunar dust, As he took the short walk over to the fallen doppelganger, holstered his gun, placed his hands on the lookalike and slowly rolled him over. He hadn't been sure what to expect, could only say that it had been anything but what he had saw in that moment. Through the visor, Jennings' face peered out at him, the eyes lifeless, yet wide in a state of alert, frozen in a timeless perplexity at being fired on by his own crewmate. Uh Uh-oh. His daughter's voice was muffled now, as if speaking through a throat full of sand. Sounds like you made a voo-boo, daddy. How could I have known? His voice began to crack, as his daughter suddenly and unexpectedly switched off the flashlight. You should have checked the sleepy Jennings first. She almost whispered. It would have been a dead giveaway. I'll bet. He fell silent. It was now pitch black in the room as dark as the inky eternal night that they had traversed on the mission. Shapes, leftover illusions from the beam of the torch, danced across his vision, morphing and changing, growing and shrinking, causing him to see things that were not naturally there. Now we get to the good part. He had never missed the azure sky of Earth so much as he had on that day. Leaning over Jennings in that moment, knowing he was now alone on the lunar surface, half a million kilometres from the nearest friendly voice, he remembered how he had closed his eyes in that moment and offered a silent prayer that, when he opened them again, the darkness of the void would be replaced by that burning, brilliant blue. It was how it had begun for all of them. Young, reckless pilots, chasing the azure forever. Space had never been the calling. It had been a duty, but some things lived in the dark for a reason. They ought to be left to remain there. Come on, Daddy. Don't you want to tell? What did you see when you looked at the other Jennings? He wanted very much to get up now, to walk over to the light switch and restore balance, bring the room into instant order, shut out completely the memory of his hand reaching down to the figure in the dust. Fingers of his spacesuit closing around the shoulder blades, turning it over and letting his disbelieving eyes fall on where the visor should have been, and where, instead, something else, some long, thin, horribly pale things, now ran in hard enamel rivulets where a face ought to have been. Put the light on, Daddy. It was a request she made so many times out of fear, out of loneliness. The voice would usually tremble in it's speaking, but now the trembling was different. It sounded almost… gleeful. Not so much a request, rather it resembled an order. No. It came out as little more than a whisper. Why not? I… I don't want to. Silence. And then a reply that brought with it the sound of a sardonic smile cracking open in the darkness. Oh, no. He had not felt the anger rising, but now, here it was, exploding out of him. Although not with the usual commanding bluster of a father addressing his daughter. What do you know? What do you know about anything? It sounded almost shrill. I know. Why? Why what? Why you shot the wrong Jennings. Why? Why? Despite that, you couldn't help yourself from touching the other one. They never really can, you know. They're drawn to it. Do you remember when you showed me how to make the iron fillings dance with a magnet? It's the same thing. He did not move. The bedroom was still and silent for a moment. When he spoke, the voice was almost calm. How long? How long, what exactly? How long have we been here? How long ago did we take her? The voice seemed to pause for a thought. A long time and a short time ago. We didn't start out on the moon. But we'd been there for such a very long time when you finally arrived. A very long time indeed. We'd almost given up hope. It was oh so cold and lonely, so we were glad when you finally came. You were so warm, so easy to hide in. Where are you going, Daddy? He had risen from his chair and begun backing towards the light switch by the bedroom door. We'd have taken you in the rocket if we could. We had the means to do so, but as you saw... Your species is tricky. Try as we might, the problem was always the same. We just couldn't get the teeth right. Noiselessly, the sound of the voice had moved. It was right beside him now, and with it came that horrible alien sound. Still, it said, now we're here, we'll get plenty of practice. We want to thank you. Without you, we never could have made it here. So much warmth. So many places to hide. His hands poured blindly at the wall. Where was the damn switch? Oh, said the voice. You really need to see again? It'd be so much easier if you didn't. But here, let us help you. The flashlight turned on, illuminating the tiny infant feet, the pale pink nightdress that crept up to a thin white neck, and above it, under a soft sea of long golden hair that had once belonged to his daughter, a face that was no longer a face, but row after row of misshapen and horribly impossible teeth. The teeth parted, and the astronaut screamed. Then the light went out.
1: I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the other stories teeth was written by michael Teasdale, narrated by james barnett aka jimmy horrors edited by duncan muggleton with music by blair moon and tom robson and sound effects provided by freesound.org the episode illustration was provided by luke spooner of carry on house michael Teasdale is an english author living in Cludge Napoka oh dear Cluj, Nabucca, Romania. His stories have appeared for UK publications Shoreline of Infinity, Lytro and Novel Magazine and in the US for Havoc Publishing, Havoc Story Podcast and the periodical Forlorn. He has upcoming stories featuring in Wild Blood Magazine and in an anthology by World Weaver Press. You can find him on Twitter at at M. Teasdale, James Barnett is the producer of the Night's End podcast, a short story fiction podcast with tales of horror and the paranormal. Search for it wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can find his other works at jamesbarnettauthor.com. We still have a small stockpile of signed hardcover editions of the other stories. Once these editions are gone, that's it. There will be no more. We've recently had an amazing review for The Other Stories Best Of collection from Laura Kendrick. I finished The Other Stories anthology and it was incredible. If you enjoyed Love, Death and Robots or Inside Number no. 9, you'll adore this perfect collection of strange and unsettling stories. There are carnivorous beetles, barnacle viruses, artists utilising children and even a little toaster that could. There are strange creatures, ominous settings and nightmare inducing scenarios from serial killers to sci-fi terrors. The Other Stories has it all so be sure to go and grab one over at gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver that's gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver if you'd like to support the show you can become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver you can join our book club movie club and writing exercises over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver and you can get help with your short stories and your podcasts by heading to theotherstories.net forward slash services The Other Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, until next time.